I'm Jamie Mo Crazy, and you're listening to Life Gets Mo Crazy, where we'll hear from people who either been through a trauma or helped someone else through. Listen and learn strategies you can implement in your life so when a metaphorical avalanche slides you down the mountain of life, you can climb an alternative peak with the best view. We are here today with John Kennedy, a neuroplasticianer who is the director of Mental Performance Institute, and he is an executive brain coach, as well as the author of forthcoming book, Peak Acceleration, Extraordinary Results in Half the Time. So John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jamie. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah. So I'm really excited to talk about neuro, anything that has to do with the brain and how your performance is affected with your brain. Well, and that's exactly what we do. Um, uh, I can give you a little bit of background if you'd like. Um, it kind of came about in a kind of crazy way, actually. I was a, a process uh, coach for and, and consultant to some large companies. And my basically, my job was to make things more efficient. And then in 2006, my brother came back from Iraq and asked asked for help. He said IEDs, those improvised explosive devices that kill too many of our guys, are killing us. Can you help? And so I did as much research as I could. I went to a a Marine uh, event out in 29 Palms, California, and the whole purpose was to expose contractors to anything possible um, that we could possibly learn about IEDs. And this was back in 2007 during the surge. And, you know, we had so many Marines and soldiers that were getting blown up. And during that event, what really struck me was that our guides were all Marines who had survived IED blasts. And I asked them what happened. And the consistent story was I started to go down this one street or in this one building. Something told me something was wrong and I went a different way. But the guy behind me kept going, got blown up. So I'm like, wow. So different, same demographic, same age, same training. Why does one Marine have what we would call better intuition than another Marine? And so I really dove into that and really explored neuroplasticity, which is the amazing capability of our brains to change from stimulation. And I was able to talk to Marines who could give me my, my first contract. And during that time, I created the field of applied neuroplasticity and basically applied a process efficiency uh, methodology to the brain. We created very specific, special exercises that would do this. They're fun, they're engaging, but they challenge the brain to change physically very, very fast. And the results blew us away. So that first uh, experiment with the Marines was extraordinarily successful. Uh, we took the, the platoon of Marines that was the worst to then becoming the best uh, in that battalion. And then it just spread from there. So Navy SEALs, snipers, pilots, very high performing uh, uh, military personnel. But then what was really meaningful was we were also able to use the same program to help Marines coming back from combat with traumatic brain injury, concussions, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Because when we make the brain faster and more focused, everything we do becomes better. And so that's why now I work with 
both spectrums. I work with professional athletes and I work with people with concussions, kids with learning disabilities and so forth. It's very, very rewarding work. I'm so fascinated with neuroplasticity and anything that involves making the brain sharper and faster and the control you can have on that. So over the course of these podcasts, what we're doing is we're talking about when life becomes a little bit more crazy. You know, when you slide down that with a metaphorical avalanche and you want to climb an alternative peak, how do you do that? And one of the ways that you're explaining that you do that is you make your brain a little bit sharper and a little bit more focused so it's able to start the climb. Exactly, exactly. And what makes it unique, a couple things are, you know, I work with so many people that have had different types of brain trauma and the typical approach is to try to find out, you know, a part of the brain that might need to be um, fixed or worked on whatever. And they, they try these different types of things. But the problem is you're only focusing on a physical part of the brain. What makes our program unique is that we just give the brain a very simple task to do, basically make decisions that use the parts of the brain critical to executive function. And the brain figures all that out. So neurons that fire together, wire together. And when we make the brain try to make these decisions, which are actually kind of fun and engaging, it's not difficult, but the brain will change physically to make those connections faster and stronger. And because we're the only program really that inter integrates executive function, central nervous system processing, and peripheral nervous system processing, which is the parts of the brain that interface with the real world, so eyes, ears, mouth, hands, feet, all the connections throughout the brain and the body become faster, which is why it's so powerful for athletes. But the great thing is our brains will rewire around damage. So that's why it also accelerates recovery from any type of brain trauma. Well, that seems really interesting. And you mentioned that you help people through this process. So what type of habits do you teach them to instill in their life to get through this process? That's a good question because, you know, everything we do that we repeat becomes a habit, right? So uh, neuroscientists actually call this a zombie system. I don't know why, maybe they watched horror movies when they were kids or something, but you know, zombies are out to get you, but they're not thinking about it. And so anything that you start consciously the, to, to work on, the brain will offload to the unconscious. So, you know, you're a phenomenal skier, right? Well, the first time you got on skis, it took all your conscious effort. Now you can ski without thinking about it because your brain has offloaded that to your unconscious, it's become a zombie system. And now your conscious is free to look around, plan your route and everything else. And that's what we're trying to do is to create that. Um, and so when I work with people, typically, we always start with one very basic exercise that improves the, the speed and accuracy uh, and of uh, decision making as well as focus. We can then build on that. You mentioned habits. We have a couple of ways we've developed um, in our workshops that actually can help people change habits. Um, there's actually two ways that we recommend that. One is to replace that habit with something else, and that just happens through repetition, and we can walk someone through that. And the other is actually to insert a, a mini zombie system as a trigger before the bad habit. And they're both very, very powerful ways to change habits. And again, it all comes down to neuroplasticity. Whatever you repeat is what's going to become the ruts. Aristotle said, probably said it best, um, we are what we be, what we become. I mean, we become what we are, what we practice. 
So when the more you practice something, that's what forms the ruts in your brain. Yeah, you you definitely are what you become. That is such a great quote. And it was it's from so so long ago and with all the new developments of time and, you know, our how we're living right now and the with all the technology advances is is so different from when Aristotle was living. Yet his quote still rings completely true. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that. So one of the things that's happened is with all our technology uh, we're actually using our brain less, right? So if you imagine, you know, 50 years ago, if you wanted to find your way around, you had to take out a map, you had to think through what everything is, you had to know what the symbols were, you had to measure, you had to track your progress. Now we just use Google Maps. And it's very easy for us because technology makes your life easier, but we're actually not doing the work anymore. It's kind of like a um, long time ago, there was a, a TV show called The Jetsons. I don't know if you had probably before your time, but basically... George Jetson would get his workout by lying on a sofa watching a, a movie of someone working out, right? And that's kind of what we do with our brains. I mean, if you know, if you want to go to the store, you can walk or ride your bike or ski, right? And there's a lot of work your body is doing to get to the store, or you can hop in a car and drive there. Now you get there faster in the car, but your body's not getting the exercise. And it's the same thing with the brains. We need to constantly engage our brains in different exercises that utilize as many different parts of the brain as possible in order to stay sharp and continue to improve. Do you have any examples of some specific exercises we can do to use our brain more? Yes, actually. Um, so, so the core exercise we use is proprietary. It's, it's symbols on a piece of paper that you have to identify. But I've actually coached people in other ways just to make your brain do things differently that you can do because what we want to do is we want to train your brain to anticipate something that's coming, right? So as I mentioned, intuition, that's what it's based on. It's based on um, anticipation. And in fact, I might have mentioned I worked with some skiers in the past and they say they can ski much faster without falling because they can see the snow conditions further out. Because what we're doing is improving the brain's ability to anticipate and take information in. So one thing, very, very simple um, that your, your listeners can try is just take a book. Next time they're reading a book, and again, it shouldn't be on a Kindle or an iPad because that digital interface just doesn't challenge the brain enough. So take a regular book. You might not know this, but if you read a real book as opposed to a digital device, you're actually going to remember what you're reading better. And especially if you say it out loud, what you're doing is you're engaging many more parts of the brain to do the same thing, which makes it stronger. So just take a book, read the words out loud, but the very last word instead of saying what the word is, I mean, you'll see the word, but just say a number, right? So you're reading along, you know, Sally went to the park one. The next row, say a two at the end. So, and go down to five and then restart. So even though that might seem simple, might be hard at first, but what you're doing in order to do that, one, you're anticipating that something different is coming, you're executing on it, and you have to remember that after five, you restart. So a very, very simple exercise. It's just kind of a, um, a little bit works kind of the same way some of our exercises do, but it's a way that you can just start doing that. And then do the same thing going backwards, <laughs> which is always harder, right? The snipers taught, uh, taught me this because you know most of my work was in, in the military in the beginning. If you want to get more information when you scan, like the, 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 the slope perhaps, 
Um, always scan right to left because our whole culture is left to right. Our brain will fill in information that's not really there. Uh, you might have seen the meme that goes around sometime. It's just be a paragraph of sentences, and the first letter and last letter of each word are correct, but the inside's gobbledygook. You can actually read that going left to right because your brain will fill in the data that's not there. But right to left is much harder because your brain is actually looking at the actual information and processing it. So go left to right, then do the same thing right to left. And that's kind of the basis for one of our most important exercises. Um, I mean, we have people in as little as 25 minutes who are already noticeably thinking faster with better focus and attention um, because our brains work so fast with the, uh, and change so fast with this kind of stimulation. I love how you mentioned doing something simple because quite often when people are thinking about changing their lives or if they've been hit by an unexpected trauma and starting over, everything feels so overwhelming and depressing. It, it feels so big. So they're like, I can't do that. I have, I have my job. I'm busy. I put it on the back burner. And what you're saying is that you can do something simple and it can be short in time. I believe you're saying like a couple minutes a day is all you really need. Yes, exactly. Of our exercises, it can even just be a minute before you do anything or you can be more structured. And in fact, most of the athletes I work with, they just work it right into their um, workout schedule. And it, you're right. You want to do something simple, but then you have to continue to make it harder because once it becomes easy, then the changes stop. The cool thing about this is one of the changes that happens when you give it this type of what neuroscientists call robust stimulation, is your brain will start to change immediately and those changes will start to solidify in as little as 20 minutes. Now, one of the changes that happens are, the technical term is um, it increases postsynaptic receptors. So that's a long technical term. Basically all that means is there's more neurotransmitters flowing through the brain in the same amount of time. So it's kind of like with your internet going from dial-up to DSL or cable. It's more data at the same time, which makes it much, much faster. And just like lifting weights, 5, 10, 15, maybe you can, lift, you can finally curl like a 25 or 30 pound weight, the weight starts to feel light, not because it is, but because your body's stronger. And it's the same thing with your brain. What was hard, you know, an hour ago or, or 30 minutes ago, all of a sudden starts to become easy. And as long as you continue to make it a little bit harder each time, it's going to get better. We call that progressively accelerated cognitive exertion or pace. So the whole program is to make your brain work a little bit harder each time. And then what was hard becomes easy. And as you said, Jamie, it's just the little steps, right? You start simple, especially if you're feeling overwhelmed, you take a small piece, work on that. Once that becomes better, you feel better about it. Your confidence gets, gets, gets better and you can take on a, a larger chunk. Going back to that same idea, I didn't actually know what you were saying about a real book versus a Kindle, but it's very interesting because after my brain injury, um, relearning how to read was very challenging for me, and it took years of uh, uh, just being able to focus my mind through reading, and now I'm back to loving reading. <laughs> As a kid... I was super into reading, so it, it returned to me, but I don't really like to read on a Kindle. It doesn't have the same feeling to me. I, I just don't like it, and I didn't really 
know why I didn't like it, but maybe it's because it's even harder for me to process on a Kindle. I sometimes get headaches a little bit. Well, you're, you're absolutely true and smart for you, right, to use that. Because if you think about a book, um, you have to like actually take the data in. And uh, what was that person's name? I think it was three pages ago. So your brain is constantly working to do something simple, whereas on a Kindle, you know, it's just, you know, there's no page numbers, right? Because it all scales the size by, depending on the size of the font. And you don't have to remember anything because you just search for it. And you, what you've mentioned about the headaches is true as well. So that screen, it's not really good for our brain too long, um, which is back nowadays, you know, because school, kids are doing school at home, people are working from home, they're doing, they're getting Zoom fog. Too much digital actually can create something called digital dementia, which is not good, right? Because there's not enough work being done to process the information. Uh, so we've seen a lot of that and at least can leads to anxiety, depression. So we work with a lot of people now who are just overwhelmed from the effects of the shutdown. But you're right. You, you reading a real book. I'm glad you experienced that. that. That's a much better way to do it. Yeah. As you mentioned about being overwhelmed from the shutdown, I actually have noticed um, that I think that with COVID and all the effects, it has a lot of similarities of a brain injury, which I experienced firsthand, but it's an unexpected trauma. And there are struggles that have developed because the truth is, if you get let go from your job and you did nothing wrong, but it's COVID, like that can build a lot of struggles. Now you're stuck at home with your whole family all trying to share one computer, kids doing school, parents trying to work. There's no way to get out. So you're right. It, it's a it's a huge uh, increase in different types of mental situations now. Do you have any recommendations you would give for someone who is stuck at home with their kids and their family and just feels like they're really busy, but they're not getting anything done? Yeah, well, reading is good. It's anything interactive. In fact, we just launched a program called Build the Brain specifically for that for families. So because the exercises are engaging and fun, the whole family can do them together. And it's a fun way for everybody to, you know, cut through the Zoom fog, have fun together and, and improve their, um, you know, their mental capacity to overcome this. But even things like interactive games, um, it's hard to throw a ball around, right? If you're stuck inside, but if you, you know, they have these little soccer balls that you can kick around the house and not break anything, any type of game, uh, even something as, as simple as, like Monopoly or um, if that's too hard for your kids, checkers is always a good game. So when you play those kind of strategy games, even with kids, what we recommend or, or Connect Four is another good one for this, is when you play, um, you don't worry about winning at first, right? You make it a, a strategy game. And so, for example, if I was playing with you, I would tell you exactly what I was going to do and why. And then you would tell me what you're going to do and why. So the goal is to kind of come up as a tie, but during that process, I'm learning about how you're thinking, right? So I'm greatly expanding my understanding of what I can do to win the game. So we both become better players. And then if you want to engage more parts of your brain, every time you make a move, you stand up and sit down, right? So you get in the blood flowing or play the game, um, you know, standing up because the more parts of your brain you engage while you're thinking, the more powerful those connections become. 
You mentioned standing up, and you also mentioned playing little physical games, like playing soccer. How does doing something physical affect your brain? That's a great question, because what happens is if you do physical, it actually um, releases something called BDMF. It's actually a, a way to prompt your brain to create more brain cells, but also you're improving your heart, which is uh, you know better blood flow to the brain. You're engaging larger muscles, uh, so that's good for your blood flow. It's good for your muscles. Um, obviously, sitting around doing nothing is what's happening during this um, this shutdown, which is not good at all. Now, anytime you can in, you can incorporate something with your brain with your body, that's even better. So even if it's like kicking a soccer ball, if you can say, okay, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna kick it into the left side of the goal, then the middle of the goal, then the right side of the goal, what you're doing is you're kind of aligning your brain to your body. And then that's going to help make those connections instead of just going on kicking the ball. And now you have a purpose for what you're doing and increases those connections. Um, same thing with if you're throwing a ball back and forth. You can even do that in the, in the house, right? A nice a Nerf ball, throw it back and forth and say, okay, I'm going to throw it up here and try to throw exactly where you're saying. So you're improving your aim, but you're also engaging your brain in the physical activity. And that's probably the best way. In our exercises, we have professional athletes, they'll do the exercises while they're lifting weights, for example, and they can lift more, they're more focused, um, they can move faster. So anytime you can incorporate your brain and your body together, that's the best. Yeah, I went to a mental boot camp um, a few years after my brain injury. And that was one of the things that they really focused on was having us balance on something that's shaking while you're throwing something and while you're saying something. So you're, you're, you're using all the different parts of your brain at the same time. Yeah, so if somebody wants to use their brain and wants more advice on everything that you've just said in this podcast, how can they get in contact with you? The best way would just be uh, my website is, well, I have a couple of websites. Uh, one is the mentalperformanceinstitute.org. And the other is combat brain training. Because this program was developed for the military and we do, and athletes obviously are in the same type of situations, although no one's shooting at them, fortunately, where they have to make those fast decisions under stress and reaction time, uh, we call that program combat brain training. So uh, the best, probably just reach out to me by email, john at combatbraintraining.com or john at mentalperformanceinstitute.org. So John, how, what do you see in the future? You know, Jamie, my goal is to just help as many people as possible. And we keep helping people um, in all different kinds of um, arenas, right? Everything from pro athletes to salespeople um, to kids, athletes, kids with learning disabilities. And so we're working on now is this program, Brain Train Breaks, which we want to get out to schools because it makes a tremendous improvement in kids' ability to do testing and do better grades and, and, and uh, regulate their emotions. We did a lot of work in some inner cities and schools in Chicago. Um, and then next, the next goal is gonna work out some digital type um, training programs. So the exercises always have to be non-digital, but we can put out a series of lessons 
that people will able to do it on the home. Because right now I just leave people and customize as I go along, but that's probably the next step to help more people is to get it out on a platform where people can do it on their own. Helping more people learn about the brain is a very honorable <laughs> task. And I think that from my own personal experience, I didn't understand how much power your brain has and you can change the outcomes you experience right. and you can, as I say, am I speaking, create your own luck by your brain. That's right. That's absolutely right. It's a key to all your performance. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show and I'll talk with you soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Jamie. I uh, really appreciate this. Thank you.